Beware of the cable, health and safety, health and safety. There you go, cable mounted. <laughs> Excellent mounting, well done. It's not the Have you been time. reading her Tinder reviews? <laughs> <laughs> Tinder reviews. Oh, you happily married man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out of touch. <laughs> I love it when people actually write Tinder reviews for themselves. Though. Have you, have you no. seen that? Yeah, they write, they, they say like, best you'll get, mum. And then they'll say, like, <laughs> that's like, he's a right lad, best friend. Oh, like, right. oh, the funny reviews. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that when... Um, Always a winner. I love that when like fringe posters do that. Uh, <laughs> they, like, they have like four-star reviews from nobody apart from, you know, somebody who's already involved. Or, you know, reviews that go, oh, it was the best show we ever saw, Joseph Starling. That's not true, <laughs> is it? That, that, that's quite demonstrably a lie. Um, unless Starling was into burlesque, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so. Well, why not Republican? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. I went, no. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cabaret, means cabaret. Yeah, yeah. Theatre podcast recorded live at the Sweet Jukebox Brighton. Presented by me, Andrew Allen, edited by Michelle Donkin, and tonight's guests are Yvette May and Timothy Goose Kennington. So the local stuff that's going on in Brighton and the theatre world, upcoming stuff that's coming up at the uh, jukebox, etc. And we chat into these guys about you know various stuff, and we're going to have some music uh, throughout the evening from Judy Bignall of the Fanny Tasticals uh, comedy uh, troupe. Uh, has done many shows down at the jukebox, uh, but also has got a show coming up at the Comedia Brighton in November. Our guests tonight are, as I say, Timothy and Yvette. Um, I, I say Timothy Goose Kennington, um, uh, the Goose bit. Is that a, like a, a Top Gun reference or? Have I misread um, it? No, so the Goose Bit is my historically proper surname. Um, but my granddad, John Goose, when he proposed to my grandma, uh, ref- she refused to be Mother Goose. Of course. <laughs> so he, um, he changed his name by default, um, as did my great uncle. They both changed their name to my great grandmother's maiden name, which is Kennington. Yeah. And... Tim Kennington is a rubbish stage name. Timothy Goose is a great stage name. So I've reclaimed the goose because it's, it's good. I like the idea. That's a hashtag for the, the millennium, isn't it? Reclaim the goose. Uh, <laughs> goose used to be my nickname. Did it? Really? Oh. I, I'm going to regret asking this. Why? That was your... <laughs> Why was your nickname Goose? We can, we can edit this bit if, if you so okay. wish. What did you lay? No. <laughs> well, no, so uh, when I get, uh, when I've had a few drinks, yeah, uh-huh. I get a bit handsy with people. <laughs> so they call me Goosey. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the Goose because I'm always pinching people's bums. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a goose. Like the beak of Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, of, of the three possible reasons. Yeah. That's the fourth, so that's lucky. <laughs> uh, lovely. So, so we, we, you have a connection. You, you both have the goose connection, um, which I'm is the so worst 70s disco band ever. 
Um, so um, we were chatting earlier. Well, I, I, I gave you an opportunity to think about this because you're, you're both performers. You're both, you know, you've been on stage, acting, whatever. Sim, how did you, or did you at all, train? Did you have any sort of... No. No training whatsoever? No training whatsoever. <laughs> um, I stumbled into it by pure nepotism. Yeah. Um, I wandered into a nightclub once where, um, when I was a slightly pretentious late teenager yeah. and I used to wear three-piece suits and uh, chilbies all the time uh, before I like the qualification of all the time all the time because our listeners um, who aren't here at the live uh, recording won't have the opportunity to note what a dapper chap you are um, but I used to wear them all the time it's a little bit difficult now because that looks kind of been co-opted by um, alt-right so I don't wear it quite so I much see, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but at the time I used to wear them uh, a lot and I wandered into a, a nightclub that had been taken over to look like a 1940s office Okay. Um, and after being about in there for about an hour and incredibly drunk um, I had acquired a receptionist and I was, dict- <laughs> I was dictating I was dictating memos yeah. and just sort of swanning around the place and became friends with the group of performers that did that and sort of it used to just be my little summer fun thing, I'd go to festivals sure. and do walkabout theatre yeah. and, and stuff like that and did it for years and years and years and then one day realised, oh wait a minute, I don't have to do a really boring soulless corporate job Yeah, I can just sort of focus more attention on being creative so yeah. that's what I, what I did Fantastic. I love the idea that when uh, many men go to a, a nightclub they pick up a girlfriend uh, but for Tim it's acquired a receptionist <laughs> um, I bet you, you, you have trained. You, you, uh, in fact, you've, you've just graduated. Yes. And, and quite well, in fact. Yes. Yeah, well, so congratulations. Yes. There you go. Did, yeah, did you work hard for this? Did it, was it blood, sweat and tears? Uh, <laughs> or one of those? Uh, it was like, it was a mixture. Like, there were times I worked really hard and then, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed myself while I was there. I worked hard and I yeah. played hard. But I had to work... Um, like a part-time job as well. Yeah. So in that sense, I worked hard. I was, you know. But in your graduate year, you you created your own solo show for the Brighton Friends. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a big deal. It got uh, nominated for an award. And so um, you're almost getting me now, but that's, yeah. that, that's quite a big achievement. It's not, a, it's not every single member of an arts degree, however committed they are, that are able to do that, to create their own work and have such ownership on it. I think um, in my first two years, I, I really enjoyed the course, but I was kind of getting to grips with it. And um, I was in a relationship at the time that took up a lot of my time outside yeah. of university. And then in my last year, when I was single, I had all of my attention free to focus on um, being creative and working. And we had to do solo projects and I chose to do solo devising. Um, it seemed to make sense because I like making theatre and I thought, yeah. you know, we had to do something on our own. So I just chose to make theatre on my own. And, yeah, I just threw all of my um, extra time and energy into creating a show separate from the course, uh, having done Brighton Fringe a few times yeah. with yourself included. Um, I thought I'm going to do my thing. So yeah. I applied for the Pebble Trust bursary and was really nervous about that but then I got that and then that kind of gave me the confidence to finish off the show and and do it and yeah, yeah. it did go really well yes. I was nominated for three awards wow there you go not even <laughs> one <laughs> one, <laughs> one, <laughs> one, <laughs> three awards <laughs> um yeah and 
now I'm hoping to take it up to Edinburgh next year. Yeah. So for me, that was the best thing that could have happened, really. Uh, yeah, having just come out of uni and yeah. I have a show now ready that I can tweak a little bit, having had the experience at Brighton Fringe and now take on uh, across the UK and hopefully end up in Edinburgh. Yeah, and so it was a genuinely uh, lovely show. I think we spoke about this when we spoke to you on the um, uh, an earlier podcast. Uh, you know when uh, one goes to see a show that is um, that has their friends in it, but even more so a show that is devised and created and performed by their friend, there's a bit of a, of a pressure on you as the audience to go... It, it was it was the lighting was lovely and um to actually come out of that show not even come out of the show be in the audience be genuinely excited by the show and just be so uh delighted in it and also feel that excitement that 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 energy come off the audience and genuinely uh, it was, it was a, a pleasure to watch it and an honor to know you as a performer watching it so uh, i hope it does very well uh, in its future Tim, I didn't see you, so... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, but you, you do have a... But you don't have, rubbish. No, but, you, but you do have a very successful show that, uh, frankly, doesn't need my platitudes, really. <laughs> um, can you say a little bit more about your show? Yeah, so um, we've just put to rest, really, after two years and four fringes, doing two Brighton fringes and two Edinburgh fringes, um, a children's show called Dr. James's Academy of Evil, yeah. where we taught children how to take over the world. Um, <laughs> and we have just finished writing Dr. James's Christmas Carol, which will ah, be at the jukebox on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of December. Excellent. And then we have just started storyboarding I suppose plotting the bone, yeah. plotting the bones of Dr James's bad schemes ah. which is the um, new show which will be taking to Volts Festival Brighton Festival and Edinburgh Festival next year and that's bad as in evil yeah. they're actually very well thought out schemes <laughs> it's important to note that it is important to note that because James gets very annoyed because it does imply that the schemes aren't any good and they're not good because they're evil yeah. but they are they're bad as in evil not bad as in not good it is complicated here's then a question to uh, throw at you without any warning because I only just thought of it um is there, in like in, I don't know, in a James Bond film or a Mission Impossible film, is there a, a plan, you know, a, a master villain plan that you've considered to be demonstrably a really idiotic, stupid idea? Um, oh, God, off the top of my... Off yeah, the top. I don't know. I mean, stealing the moon? So, Despicable Me, oh, they yeah. want to steal the moon. That is a terrible... That's going to screw everything yeah. I, um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of the moon yeah I think it gets a, gets a hard time um, but I just like not many good. great songs the songs don't put it in a good light like Bad Moon Rising yeah, yeah. Blue Moon Blue Moon yeah. um, any of the soundtrack of American Wealth in London exactly really. yeah um, <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon Dark Side of the Moon yeah but I is actually quite cute though isn't it yes it is yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, and I never really understood what irradiating all the gold would do. Oh, the gold finger. Uh, yeah. Which, that's different from the book as well. Oh. Um, but I thought that was quite cute in that, because it's supposed to... Um, that's what you want from a supervillain, isn't it? Cuteness. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Oric Goldfinger. I am cute. Um, uh, okay, so let's move on from um, plans to take over the world. What I wanted to uh, chat to you, as, he, as I say, you're both um, performers, actors. Um, you're on stage, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, 
it, 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 literally we're on stage for those of who are just listening we are literally on stage um, good um, on, on your on your, C, on your performance CV your acting CV what's the most um, surprising or impressive or just downright weird thing on your CV Yvette do you have any um, sounds like the audience know <laughs> God. Uh, well, I used to do. I used to do. I used to do promotional work. Yeah. Um, with an acting agency that sent us out because they knew we'd wear ridiculous costumes and walk around and give stuff out. Sure. And uh, for one, I never really knew what the job was until I got there either. And for this. That's one, dangerous. Yeah, this one particular uh, job, I jumped on a train to Croydon. And got off Croydon, and it was this—I don't know what the name of the what the name of the shopping mall is. The Wycliffe Centre. Yes, that one. Uh, Or doorway to hell. I went there, and they took me into this like security office and handed me this costume in a bag, and it was around Easter time. And I was with these two other girls, and we all pulled out our costumes, and they had these really cool bunny outfits yeah. and this like bunny head that they were wearing yeah, yeah. and then I pulled mine out <laughs> and it was an egg <laughs> yes! it was literally an egg but the best part was right is that my tiny little legs poked out the bottom in, in red tights yeah, yeah. and then I had this like you know those umbrella hats it, it looked like an umbrella hat and if I sat down into the costume the hat and my face would go in and it would become a full egg. And then they gave me a basket of chocolate eggs to give out, which I could barely hook on my arm. And I was just waddling around, spilling chocolate eggs everywhere, trying to get people in Croydon to take free chocolate eggs dressed in a... And people just... I just... Like... Yeah, that was... Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Return to Oz gone wrong. Isn't it? You, your, your first answer to that, you went, oh God. Uh, which reminds me that, that I guess the most impressive thing on, on my CV is God. Uh, I, I, play, I played um, God once in a version of the Mysteries, you know, the first deity with an inferiority complex. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I should point out that I. Um, now, today, you, you see somebody who's, you know, bespectacled and diffident and somewhat awkward. Uh, well, back then, I, I was completely different. Uh, back then, I, I, I hadn't yet had sex. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you're laughing at me as if that hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> you didn't want to cheer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was quite... I could never decide if the director... Uh, of all the people he could choose from to play God, uh, was taking the piss somewhat. Um, but you know, I'd I, have loved to have seen it. I, I, I was on scaffolding on a swivel, a swivel <laughs> on a swivel chair. Perfect. <laughs> it, it, it was kind of like a steampunk oh, Captain Kirk. <laughs> that is. I mean, I I'd be religious. If, yeah. If there was evidence that God was a steampunk, sexually frustrated Captain Kirk, <laughs> I'd, I'd be there. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, Tim, do you have a... Oh, God, I don't feel like I can compete with either of those. I do have, like, the weirdest one, I think. Yeah. And it's of my own doing, which is what makes it worse, I suppose. But a few years ago, my first ever attempt at writing a show, because I'm nothing if not 
foolhardy mm-hmm. is I wrote a musical about 18th century surgery and body snatching of course um, and it was called I know it smells like the inside of dead people but will you hold my hand <laughs> and, and our big coup our big coup was that we got permission to perform it at the Hunterian Museum which is in the Royal College of Surgeons oh, in, in Holborn and we were the first non-Royal College of Surgeons event to yes. ever happen in this museum and and I mean the show was very loving towards John Hunter but he was a bit of a shit okay. um, and one of the things that we had created by an incredibly talented far too talented for our budget puppet maker <laughs> was a puppet of Charles Byrne who was a freak show Curio at the time. He's yeah. called the Irish Giant. He was a seven foot seven Irishman who yes. travelled around London um, charging people a penny to go and see him. Being Irish and, and tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our, our friend Sam said he would make this puppet for us as long as we gave him complete creative control. And what he made... <laughs> what he made was an incredibly racist eight foot leprechaun. Um, and... We did the show at the Royal College of Surgeons and I was there standing on a chair in my puppet outfit going, ah, look at me there, aren't I tall? Ah, hello, Um, like that, in front of the skeleton of the actual Charles Bird. And I went, I'm going to hell. I'm going to actual hell. This is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. That's spectacular. <laughs> so, uh, as our, uh, one of our audience members uh, commented, you were the first um, non... Um, what was it, the phrase you used at the college? You were the first... Uh, non, um, Non-Royal non College of Surgeon, like non-official, I guess. Yes, I guess. And, and, and after the racist leprechaun puppet, we were the no, la- last again. one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I also implied that he was a, a necrophile. Um, okay. So, well. he contracted... I was just going to do the whole show now, but he <laughs> contracted chlamydia from a corpse. Just do the dot, join the dots. That's all it is. He did. He, he did it. He did it. He, he got it on a. He got it on a specimen. Like he took it on and he put it on himself because he was trying to link that chlamydia and syphilis were the same thing. And so he took a sample of chlamydia from a dead body and he put it on his penis. And then he contracted syphilis because, ironically, the thing that he used to take the sample of chlamydia already had syphilis on it. Um, and so he got syphilis. He was really happy because he had proven uh, that <laughs> chlamydia and syphilis were linked. And then he. Died. Uh-huh. Um, to be fair, that is one definition of irony that I've not yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, history seems to be littered with uh, the corpses of men and women who have uh, tested the theory on themselves yeah. and then, you know, in their dying breath, going, yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Judy Bignall. Isn't it? It's lovely. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello, Judy. How are you? I'm. I'm well, thank you. Uh, so uh, you, this is like we've managed to catch you on like a rare five minutes <laughs> yes. when you're not working on 19 different projects. Yes, the lesser spotted Judy is uh, out of hibernation for the evening. Yes. Um, um, yes. H- how is that? Uh, the cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and busy, but enjoyable. So you, you've uh, last night, in fact, you were producing a, a, a murder mystery. I was indeed. Yes. Um, how was that? Good. Did the, did the correct people die? 
Uh, well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible clean-up otherwise. Yeah, yeah. A few questions raised. No, uh, yes, very, very successful. Uh, lovely response from the audience. We've actually been offered the chance and suggested to uh, do it again. We actually have one of the lovely cast of the murder mystery in the room this evening. Yes, yes. Um, so, yes, we have lovely <laughs> Emma Howard. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I can barely see you there, but um, uh, thank you for coming on. Yes, it was a, a great success. And um, we, we should uh, qualify, or uh, we should say that uh, it's all in a good cause, actually. It was, uh, it was, w- what, was that, what was that cause? Um, my mother, as well, uh, was part of this cause, so <laughs> she <laughs> is... <laughs> <laughs> your mother. Uh, so it was all to do with my mother, actually, yeah. that this project came about. Um, she has been raising money for the Chestnut Tree House Children's Hospice, uh, and she is then furthering these fundraising attempts with a trek to Cambodia uh, yeah. in the beginning of November uh, to raise money for the same cause, uh, which she has worked with uh, for quite a few times over the last couple of years for various reasons through various connections um, yeah so it's this is her last event that she put on for the fundraising yeah. and she's hopefully made her target just Excellent. which is brilliant brilliant yeah. so we've invited you along as uh, both of yourself but as a representative of the Fanny Tasticles uh, a sketch group based in Brighton yes uh, and you're in the middle of rehearsals for your, for your next show Yes, we are. Yes, uh, as you were very kind enough to mention earlier, we are playing our next gig at the Comedia in Brighton on the 11th of November, yeah. which is very, very exciting for us. Uh, it's the biggest venue we've played so far, yeah. but by no means uh, the one-off Brighton event. We have been making our way around the uh, the circuits of Brighton. You've been getting around. We've been getting around. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, so, uh, the fantastic sketch comedy, it's a case of sort of a um, comedic monologue, it's also songs. Yes. Uh, which you have some involvement in. Yes, some. Yeah. Some involvement in, yes. Uh, we we specialise in parody. Yeah. Um, but also with satirical and ironic content as well. Yeah. Uh, not the same sort of irony that uh, Tim was talking about. Not quite. No, no. Um, well, they, <laughs> that wouldn't wrong. be, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And so we're going to hear a song from you now. Um, I'm actually not going to introduce it uh, by name or by context. I'll just let you sort of flow straight into it. Judy Bignall. hide my weakness the only food I have is Sainsbury's wheat bisques got no mojo to visit Tesco fill the snot that's filling up one nostril just one nostril and I'm raging tonsil I lay back in my bed so I feel rested but it proves defective now I'm more congested and I'm on lemon and honey and I'm on vitamin C Dosed up on ibuprofen, necking orange juice for tea. I'm stuck in bed and sweating, but not like I've got a choice. Treating soothers <laughs> as a meal, yet here I am, I've got a man voice. <laughs> man voice. Got to work, I gotta pay my rent soon Feeling chilled through hoping others are immune My throat is hoarse from all the can I help use Endless working through shifting unrelenting cues Go back to home and head straight to the shower Easing frustration with a steam inhalation Crawl back to bed with jumper, scarf and thick gloves I try eating something if I had worked taste buds and I'm on lemon and honey and I'm on vitamin C 
Dosed up on ibuprofen, necking orange juice for tea. I'm stuck in bed and sweating, but not like I've got a choice. Treating soothers as a meal, yet here I am, I've got a man voice. Man voice. It deepens your voice. Man voice. Um, I think the audience particularly enjoy your sort of uh, looks to camera. <laughs> <laughs> they went quiet, the bastards. That's bringing back. <laughs> they went quiet, the bastards. Um, in, in town today, uh, as, as we speak, um, over at the other side of town, the level in Brighton, uh, Jeremy Corbyn um, is, is giving uh, what looked like a very successful and busy and joyful rally. Uh, the last time we spoke, Yvette, it was the weekend of the um, Brighton Marathon. And, and, I, and I, 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 that, that was the reaction you gave last time. And I asked you, have, have you been on the marathon? You went, no. Uh, today we speak to you on, on the day of the colour run. Uh, we, we, is, is, it, is it really? That was today, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fix you on the pot. So am I, am I correct in thinking that you, you weren't part of the colour run today? No. Or well, did any day? I mean, I've taken part in paint throwing before. <laughs> <laughs> I went to like the Holy Festival in London. That was really fun. And it's the same paints they throw at you during the colour run. Yeah, yeah. Except you're dancing instead of running to good music instead of running. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, did you, did you, what was the name of that, sorry? Holy Festival. The Holy Festival. Is it, is it, is it religious? No. And it's not spelt like holy, oh, like the Holy Bible. No. I don't know how it's spelled, it's but it definitely, it definitely has an eye on the end. Holly. Yeah. Holly. Holly Festival. Oh, I see. Holly Festival. But, uh, yeah, so you, you won't uh, engage in any sort of, like, uh, physical thing that's going to cause you pain or discomfort? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Love a bit of pain and discomfort in privacy <laughs> <laughs> your own home. That- <laughs> I mean, teaching is physical pain and discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I love teaching and I love all of my students. No, I didn't. Yeah. I, um, no, what? Well, <laughs> saved it. <laughs> Pulled it back. Fine. No, um, well, I danced for, for most of my life. Yeah. And uh, I... Oh, go on, say the obvious no, joke. Just, it just made me laugh, just yeah. as a mental image. Yeah. I had the Lord of the Dance coming. It's not like she's... Oh, yeah. not like, I did, I did, I did It's not like she's wearing the red shoes. Dance. <laughs> oh, good reference. It was a module. <laughs> um, and that, that causes a lot of yeah. aches and pains. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to do like... What? Oh, you, I, mean, I don't know how we got to this. What? Oh, you asked if yeah. I liked physical pain. Because we talked about running. Yeah. I love swimming as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you exercise enough, then you will get some aches and pains. Yeah. But running, running is not for me, no. no. For well, other people, great. Sure. Well, you, you were saying, you, you were saying about either. dance and stuff. Uh, do you have, like, a, a favourite move to put them on, on the uh, dance floor? <laughs> Her favourite. Yeah, do it now for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this, this really feels like we're all watching the weirdest chat up line. <laughs> just like. It's, I get that a lot. <laughs> just carry on. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew Allen does his best. Yeah. <laughs> That's your catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Allen. No. Oh. Um, um, 
do have a pit well yeah apparently yeah i'll go in the swimming i have a i have my housemate in the audience yeah there. she's just said the saunders shoulders yeah which uh <laughs> apparently is that's my uh drinking going out move yeah yeah but yeah i don't have a favorite no. can you move yeah you need to show it yeah, for the, for the benefit of the listeners. They can't see, can they? Well, <laughs> we, 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 we can see, but, uh, and we can laugh. Yeah, so. and, and, and that's, I need, yeah, I need that's why we have the, that's why we have the, oh. oh. Um, I'll I, sing. I, I really that, that's why we have the live audience. Uh, um, uh, Julie, can you sort of uh, give us a, a couple of like, strums of, sort of a, a bit of a, a what tempo? What kind of music do you need? Like salsa? I can't, or? Like, <laughs> I can't like, do that for you. I don't know, just, you know, something. <laughs> Helpful. Yeah, so, so, so we, uh, we'll give you a, 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 a give you the clap. No, <laughs> oh, guys, like, it's, it's, it's not. It's not even anything. Can you exciting. describe it? Is it like back on the line? No, on it's the, it's like... just like she has the howl of pound. Hello, hello. Like <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to tell you what that looks like. <laughs> and I have the Saunders shoulders, which is like okay. Oh, it's, oh, it's a casual Ooh. shimmy bop. It's just like the yeah. shoulders, just yeah. like get whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it changes depending yeah. on the groove. Turkey, following the goose. Well. The neck doesn't always go. Sometimes, yeah. you know. And I, and I squat down while oh, I do yeah. this. So it's on a chair, you don't really get the full effect. No. <laughs> this is where stilts are coming useful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I might have you know done the shoulders a bit in my show during one of my outbursts of dance sure, so yeah. you've probably seen it yeah yeah okay um yeah tim do you have a move <laughs> not really not like a, a totally <laughs> goose move i feel like i should get i'm quite a fan of the power grab oh i see ah. that's always a good move yeah it's i just but that's it. I don't have a, a signature. I mean, I we should put we should point out to our listeners that the power grab is more like a what like a bicep sort of gun sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, imagine that you're going for the scrotum of a giant. I was an gonna, Irish uh, giant, perhaps. Yeah, grab and pull. Yeah. I was going to say something fairly similar, but mine was retrieving a smoked ham from the top of a like from a, hanging from a ceiling. It's important um, it's a smoked ham. It was a smoked ham. <laughs> and that like shows, Hagrid's hut. That shows know. the difference between our, <laughs> our <laughs> spheres of. Like, like reference, I guess. <laughs> I try not to grab scrotum from up here. I can avoid. Um, <laughs> I certainly don't don't grab spears of reference. Uh, do you, you want to say? So you, do you have a uh, do you have a move? I do actually. I, I kind of have two. Um, one will be a bit like my kind of drunken, not even drunk, just I need to keep the atmosphere going. I, yeah. Mine's. Well, my friend calls it grubbing, uh, which is like ironic clubbing. Um, what sort of atmosphere are you keeping going? <laughs> Well, well, if if and when I have ever been uh, clubbing, it has been ironically so, um, to the point where this comes into my second move now. Um, the the macarena uh, to anything okay um, is my kind of signature yeah. thing. Um, so again, you go into a club and everyone's grinding against each other, looking really serious. Yeah. It's so much fun to stand next to them and just do the macarena. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my my thing. Um, the other one, in equal irony, as I stand up now yeah. to demonstrate to you all. Um, you need a kind of nice little plie, you need a bend of the knee, yeah. and then you need this. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of macho man yeah, yeah, yeah. on the rotation with the hips. Yes. Uh, that, is, that is my grubbing move. Uh, Fantastic. And it will come with the face as well. 
um, to really get into it. Uh, that's, that's the Judy Bignall. You must be a golden ticket funerals. There's <laughs> <laughs> not really a disco at those. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you bring your own sound system... I don't sing the hymn like Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Pumping away. <laughs> Pumping was the wrong word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> You know, you're, you're, uh, as a w- <laughs> oh God! Pump into Jerusalem. Oh, the soundtrack yeah. that Jez Butterworth well, never came up with. That's a good title for this episode. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? <laughs> um, we were chatting earlier, Tim and Annabeth, about um, like, do you have like a wake-up routine? You know, do you, is there a way that you ease yourself into the day? Do you do you switch on the morning TV? Do you listen to radio for? Or indeed, you know, is it actually one o'clock in the afternoon and it's already all too late? Uh, uh, Tim, do you have a I, I have gotten really into brunch. All of now, us. now that I don't have to work in the morning anymore, yeah. I have become such a brunch person. And... Listening to Radio Four. Ah, um, I quite because I'm an old man. Yeah. Um, and that that happened at some point. I think the um, the routine is um, Radio One, mm. then Radio Two for eight years. Ironically, although I think the the, the level of that has uh, now um, dropped off dramatically since the sad loss of Terry Wogan. Mm. And then it's Radio Four. Yeah. I mean, have you moved into Radio Three yet? No. Or, no. Yeah. Happens, I've, I've never heard of anyone listening to Radio 3 oh, Jazz. Jazz. Mm-hmm. Classical music. Oh, Classical music. Few, like, yes. curled lips. And, and occasionally um, they'll do um, live concerts. There's always live concerts of, of jazz, or um, oddly enough, uh, entire live concerts for the entire evening of four hours of film soundtracks. I feel I like I need up. to start yeah. listening to I Radio 3 because like I love jazz and I love I like soundtracks. Why don't they do a jazz version of like John Williams' Jurassic Park? I totally oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so, go on. I, you need to copyright that now. I, 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 <laughs> it's okay, nobody's listening. <laughs> oh, I, um, I had a, a, for a very long time, a, a dream which was... Um, <laughs> Someone's claimed that one already, oh, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um, my one's better. Um, my, no, my, I had a dream that if I was to ever get married, which is looking less and less likely, um, that in it there would be a, um, a choral rendition of the Jurassic Park theme tune. Uh-huh. And that was all I ever wanted. You may have found your perfect partner and next I, door. You spoke about dinosaurs out there. Um, and I went to my school friend's... Clever girl. Went to my school friend's wedding this year. And his uh, now wife, who is in a choir, as a special treat, because both Robin and I had discussed this when we were in year 10, as a special treat, um, had arranged a choral rendition. Oh, beautiful. Complete... With lyrics, which oh. is the best, as we all know, the lyrics of Jurassic Park being "There are dinosaurs, there are dinosaurs, life finds a way." That's we all know that is the lyrics of Jurassic Park, um, and they did it as a choral thing, and Robin and I cried. Yeah. And the only point in the wedding where I cried, I was like, "I'm so happy that." This is happening. The wedding's nice as well, but yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's I've gotten into an irritating habit recently in the past month of, um, and I should qualify this by saying it's not in any way convincing. It only sounds like this in my head. 
uh, but it's also not deliberate. I've got an irritating habit over the past month of doing the Ian Malcolm laugh from Jurassic Park. <laughs> or, and it's just, I it's just very bizarre. Uh, Michelle, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> the reaction... I was going to say, we have to go round and try it now. <laughs> I, 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 I've already said it's not convincing. Um, so Michelle has had to part with this quite often. Um, Michelle, what does it sound like? Uh, do you want me to do the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just ask before you do? The one from the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, Thank yeah, you. the okay. helicopter. Like, it's like Sid James being strangled, the way you do it. Yeah. Isn't there a cat that does that? Meow, 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 mix. That is probably better than the one I do. Can uh, we hear you? Uh, you uh, Vet, what's your, what's I one? don't know. I don't know. There's now an undue amount of pressure on me. I mean, I uh, but I've timed it now that the more pressure will be on, on Judy. I'm happy. Um, it's, a very, oh, it's a very odd <laughs> non-laugh, which now that I'm doing it, because I should point out, although it's not convincing, it is uh, involuntary. It, you know, it, it is natural. <laughs> so now that I'm actually going to perform it, it's going to be even more terrible. But it, it tends to be like a. <laughs> sort of laugh. Um, oh, Michelle was on the money! Michelle was on the money! Yeah. Yeah. I really love that our first step for this was Michelle, can we get you to do an impression of. Um, of me doing an impression of Jeff Goldblum? Um, what what would you. Do you I mean, I know, I don't think I can. Yeah. I, I mean, I really want you to skip me so that I can... Okay. <laughs> so, Julie is, is a, a self-confessed super fan of Jurassic Park. I, I, I think it's possibly my favourite film. Yeah. Um, yes, I just kind of nerded all over this, this yeah. podcast. Yes. Um, the thing is, I hear it perfectly in my head, but alas, as we all know, it never comes out no. that way. Um, but I could, yeah, yeah. Let's have a go. Oh, God. Okay, so he sounds like he's chewing something at the same time, okay. so it's... If you go on YouTube, you can find. There are video clips in just about Ian Malcolm's laugh. There's also a. I believe a 12 hour hit version of just a laugh going on and on and on into infinity um, Michelle will say that you don't need their 12 recording, just listen to me for two seconds <laughs> it will have much the same effects <laughs> yeah what's your morning routine oh I mean it's really not that interesting oh, yeah. so you don't have to include it <laughs> my uh Alarm goes up at seven. <laughs> okay. Little from Horace. There we go. And that's where I live. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it goes off, you know, three or four times before <laughs> yeah. I actually turn it off. And um, I mean, you know, it's there's nothing happens. No. I just <laughs> get up, have my shower, yeah. put my clothes on. Yeah. Grab my bag, which yeah. I've mostly pre-prepared the day before. Oh, that's quite smart. Yeah. Girl Scout. Yeah. And, and run out the door. Yeah. Mostly, usually, with my hair still wet, because it yeah. dries quite quick. And, I mean, the audience can't see, but no. this is what happens. And it looks lovely, yeah. You know, yeah. it looks okay. It's very dry. I'm quite lucky. Yeah. Not, not very dry, that's, a, that's just rude. Know. Sorry. <laughs> very, it's, it is very I, dry. I'm not really a hair person. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't really comment. And... Um, <laughs> I go about my day. Yeah. 
I mean, on a day where I haven't got work, yeah. the same thing happens again, except I just get up <laughs> slightly later. <laughs> and uh, I, instead of changing out of my pyjamas, I mean, obviously I do that to have a shower, but then I put my pyjamas back on and uh, spend the day in my pyjamas. Because... Yeah. Me and my friend were having this conversation yeah. the other day. Like, I do not understand why when anyone is at home, why they wear clothes. And I mean, like, pyjamas, wear pyjamas. You mean, you want to be naked, fine. But, like... The vicar might come round. The vicar is never coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see the mess I live in. No. I mean, no. Yeah, no. like, pyjamas are, like, the most comfortable clothing. And I don't understand why you wouldn't ever just get home and... Put your pajamas on. Good. Anyway. I mean, I mean, do you when you get home? Do you stay in your tie and your shirt and your <laughs> and your lovely jacket and and your you know, or do you put pajamas on? Well, he changes it for the Doctor Who. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, it's casual. It, it's either between uh, Doctor Who or Arthur Dent. So uh, pajamas and waistcoats yeah, covers most of it. I I don't know. I, I I'm I've I've dressed up for the podcast, which I know is an ironic thing to do. <laughs> um, but I, 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 it's, it's like when you were a kid and whether or not... This is the thing that would divide the, the middle class to the not middle class people. Um, <laughs> when you're a child, or when indeed you yourself will have children, do they stay in their school uniform, their shirt and trousers, until bedtime, or do they have to get out of their school clothes? And so, Tim, you're... you're, you're to, quite we, firm. I mean, no, no, I mean, I... I don't have children, but I had to get out of my school uniform. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I had to too, so maybe I'm just rebelling. You were a rebel, yeah. Oh, I didn't. But for for me, it's not about, like, I don't think it's about being brought up. I don't think it's about being brought up and getting home and changing out of your school clothes into other clothes. Yeah. Because pyjamas aren't other clothes. That's still another level. It's like once you turn into an adult, you go... What are my most comfortable clothes to be wearing when I'm at home in my space where I'm supposed to be relaxing yeah. and being comfortable? And it's not my work clothes. It's not... Jeans. Jeans. And it's not any other anything else in my wardrobe. It is my pyjamas. Mm. And and I have a lot of pyjamas. <laughs> it seems to me that pyjamas are important and, and to I, you. And I think part of this as well was from, from doing a lot of dance growing up. I had a lot of really comfy, stretchy trousers and stuff that then would get too old to wear for dance class, so I would wear them yeah. around the house. You know, that, that's, that's it. Mm. Mm. I, finally, I finally got a onesie this year. Yeah. yeah, I got it as a birthday present, and I, as, I think an ironic birthday present. Yeah. And I went, ha, 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 that's really fun. Oh, it's so comfortable. I, I really, <laughs> it's really nice. I love it. Well, well, I really, I really, yeah. syphilis irony. No, <laughs> it's, um, it's, so in the Dr. James show... I play uh, a minion, as in a literal oh, despicable yes. me minion, yeah. called Timmy and the Minion. Um, That's cute, cute. It is cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so James, for my birthday this year, bought me a minion onesie. Isn't that a thing of beauty? Oh, okay. Isn't it a thing? And then we passionately kissed. Um, <laughs> and it was very nice. And... Um, <laughs> And now I just wear it around the house. I was like, oh, that's really... And then one day I was like, I'll just, just try it on. It's so comfortable. Yeah. And now I just walk around the house looking like a twat. That counts. That counts. That's pyjamas. Yeah, that's my, pajamas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're on my wavelength. We've, we've um, been leafing through sort of um, 
stuff that's been happening in the theatre world recently. Uh, we're not going to chat really much about uh, Brighton Theatre uh, this uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to chat to something that's a bit more um, nationally um, spoken about. Because uh, we were talking about Radio 4 earlier, and uh, their uh, premier arts programme, uh, Front Row, is getting like a TV uh, version. And uh, the three hosts um, were um, announced this week. And um, they had an interview for the Radio Times where they, they perhaps um, you know, didn't express themselves as particularly interested in theatre or, or performance. Um, all of them, I've seen a lot of things on my feed uh, this week about um, that there were a bunch of idiots or whatever, and I don't think that's necessarily fair. They're all like, they're great presenters and experts in their own fields, but their own fields and interests don't appear to be particularly theatrically based. I just wondered uh, what the uh, the guests tonight sort of thought about that, you know, in terms of, do you even like, listen to like, stuff like Front Row? And uh, does it matter? Um, somebody said, um, oh, it'd be like a cookery programme presented by somebody who doesn't know how to cook. Which actually, I think, that, frankly, that, that sounds like an awesome idea to have somebody go through all the, like, the um, Jack Monroe and Nigel Slater books and try to cook the recipes in their own befuddled way. That actually is a pretty neat idea. But... Um, an arts program, you know, a theatre program that's presented by people who uh, haven't been to the theatre in seven years. Um, is that a good way forward for the BBC, or is it? Uh... I mean, I, it doesn't sound like a good idea, but I think, like you said about the the cooking show, it's like Cole Pilkington doesn't like travelling, but when you watch an idiot abroad, it's bloody hilarious. Yeah, I like I find that really funny. Mm. Watch and some of the things he comes out with, I think, are almost genius because people who do like travelling wouldn't even think about what he's sure. thinking about. Um, and I've watched Celebs Go Dating. Yeah. And that has a comedian, Rob Beckett, do the voiceover for that. Yeah. And he is so sarcastic about what's going on um, that that's hilarious too. But if it's just people who kind of don't know much about what they're talking about, but they're trying to sound like they know what they're talking yeah. about and it's just a bit... Shit. So it can then be. It's like it, not. It needs to be. There needs to be like a funny aspect to it, or it yeah. needs to be them discovering it maybe with their audience, not mm. just people pretending that they know what they're talking about because their presenters presenting something they know nothing about. It has to have an angle. So the outside eye can be quite uh, a useful thing then, because yeah. theatre and opera and whatever that that can sometimes be regarded as quite elitist or for uh, a middle class audience. And so the idea that you, you, if the review is literally, I had no idea what I was coming to see, that's much more of a sort of a layman's um, sort of view. Yeah, I mean, it might make it more accessible, make people think, oh, they didn't know what they were going to go see and they ended up really enjoying it. And they might relate to some of the things that they're saying yeah. about theatre that they might think themselves and go, oh, OK, you know, and if they have positive experiences, then that might encourage you know, audiences, but it needs to be at that level. Um, otherwise, if they're pretend, it's just that whole thing of like, yeah. you know, pretending to know, but not really saying the right things or not, and it all just being a bit like, Mur, is the sound I would describe that yeah, as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, nah. yeah. So can I come in as a snobby wanker? Yeah, go on. Cool. So. My- <laughs> So my like my big issue with with the announcement, and I totally agree with what Yvette said, which is that if um if it was a completely different show, yeah, and the idea of that show was we have a bunch of people that don't know theatre at all, and we are mm. going to introduce them to the amazing world of theatre. 
that's a great show. Sure. But this is the BBC's flagship culture yeah. show. And two of those critics I only know because of MasterChef. Yeah. And I've seen them eat food. Um, and mm. and the, the bit that I kind of get hung up on a little bit is, uh, I'm going to paraphrase Mark Kermode, um, where he was talking about blogs. Yeah. And he said, the thing is, is that now literally everyone's a critic and like everyone does reviews and, and you know, everyone does it. But the job, of a, the job of a critic is to know more about the subject than the people that they're writing reviews for yeah. so that they can give a... Because otherwise it's just somebody going, yeah, I liked it. It was good. Sure. Um, and that's fine. That's an opinion. But um, like a critic has to know more about that play or the culture of that world or that director or that, you know, that actor so that they can put it into a context and explain, I suppose, objectively why this is succeeding or why it's not. Yeah. And if you have a bunch of people who go, well, I saw School of Rock in, uh, in Bro- on Broadway and it was good, yeah. and that's their experience of theatre, then is that enough to be actually giving a good... Now, on the flip side, Claudia Wil- Winkleman did a really good job on the film... Um, the film I'm show. I'm so glad I found one person who actually liked her as the host of film. But program. she was, but she was a foil to people that were educated as cinema critics. And was, so she worked. She was. I don't really know much about films, but I like this. And then she'd have conversations with people that were film critics. But what was curious about that, I always found with Claudia Winkleman on the film program, was she was a va- She is a vastly more intelligent and educated woman about film mm. than she seemingly allowed her personality so she would when she was in conversations even with her co-host would play the role of somebody who didn't know about that and allow uh, the Empire sort of uh, editor to take uh, presence over mm. that which I found quite curious and it meant that actually generally speaking with the audiences she wasn't that popular because people, people bought into that act quite well and believed that she didn't know anything about film which I found curious mm. but I, is, is that down to the producers though in the way that it's produced Quite possibly, and I don't know. I mean, I was so sort of flummoxed by the... Not flummoxed particularly, but I was so sort of distracted by the audience response to her mm. and her style of presenting that I... Yeah, it didn't really occur to me to think about whether it would be a, a production choice or whether it would be entirely that's the way she manages her presenting career. But, yeah. Um, I mean, it could be a combination of the two, I suppose. Yeah. You never really know, do you? And um, I think also, yeah, like you were saying with Mark Commode and stuff, the, uh, I think it's John Peel that's describing this, that somebody that you want as a reviewer should be somebody like an older sibling saying, have you seen this really cool thing? And the idea, as you say, they know more about the product than you do and they're inviting you into that world. Whereas if uh, the critic goes, yeah, Lion King uh, 10 years ago, it's called a rock, whatever, it's, yeah, we, we can get a bit snobbish about that, but it's, because you know, such shows are valid. Yeah. And their criticisms that they've been saying on uh, this interview they're not invalid, uh, the, the criticisms being, you know, the ones that we've already heard about uncomfortable seats in London theatres and, um, uh, the, you know, toilets never being accessible because um, they're very old uh, theatres. And a, a point that doesn't get discussed an, often enough, really, in that how inaccessible theatre can be if you are with family. Because uh, of the amount of time that you know money you'd have to spend for um, babysitters and actually getting out of the house. And if you've only got, like, four nights off in a year... Uh, I don't know how parenting works. Is it four nights a year? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, then that's uh, something that perhaps needs to be discussed more. We, you know, we only get like two matinees in London theatres a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays, and maybe there's a market for more of that. Mm. But it's it's when are you a critic and when are you just 
a person with an opinion. But we, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, even uh, the major online reviewers now are still, you know, want a you know speech box just a blogger. Yeah. Um, what qualifications do, do you need as a reviewer apart from to say, oh, I like that. And um, it's about um, expanding an opinion. Welcome back to the stage, Judy Bignall. Thank you, Judy Bignall. Yeah. We're in the last few minutes of uh, the record. It was. I was. me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> We're in the last ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty, thirty. I was listening to the recording of, of the last uh, podcast we just did, and I do appear to do a lot, a lot of. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like it. <laughs> Revulsion, you ended up doing raptor hands. <laughs> 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 Life flies away. Um. <laughs> there was another perfect Ian Malcolm quote that we didn't put in, which is why I went, um, when he's about... <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> no, although always useful every day yeah. you can use that. No, with the, with the bloggers who's a critic, and I was like, oh, they're so preoccupied with whether they should, they yeah. could, didn't stop to think of they should. Yeah, so and I was indeed. like, oh, my God. and it went. It's a good quote oh. for many, t- many a time. Yes. Uh, so we are in the last few minutes of our recording of the cast Iron Theatre podcast live, uh, recorded at the Sweet Duke Box in Brighton, where there are many things coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, one of the major events coming up in October is the Brighton Horror Fest with lots of uh, spectacular shows, including the, the Decider Quest, which is a, a, a choose-your-own-adventure style adventure, and indeed, Adventurers Wanted, which is a plague of the invasion of the brood, which is a kind of like a, a live 
live performance of Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, they've just come off the Edinburgh Fringe of a 250-hour show. We were at the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, which is a, a thing of majesty. And so those and many other things are coming up in the uh, Brighton Horror Fest uh, October this year. Um, I, you were mentioning um, earlier that, uh, that oh, this is our closing question, really. Uh, you were mentioning earlier that when you suddenly became uh, an adult, you worked out things. So I wanted to um, ask if, that, if it was such a sudden thing. Was there a thing that, or an event that made you go, oh, I'm an adult now? Dressing as the egg. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what my show was about. Yeah. No, I think what the realisation was, when you become an adult, and when you know you're an adult, is when you realise that adults are not adults. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So that realisation that actually nobody grows up, really, everybody is just the same, but it's this perception that you have of adults when you're a child, yet... Does that... I mean, yeah, no, it does. It makes absolute you, sense. You suddenly grow up and you look at adults around you and go, fuck, when I was a kid, I thought that you had it sorted, you knew what you were doing, yeah. and th- this X is what it meant to be an adult. Yeah. And then you grow up and you realise that everyone is just as confused. Yeah. Everyone is pretending and everyone is kind of walking around trying to figure all of it out. Yeah. And that's, I think, once you realise that, that's actually when you start to become an adult. Because you yeah. go, oh, okay, nobody knows, so I'm just going to continue knows. on and do yeah. my thing. And, and the years just start to go past, yeah. faster and faster. Wow. <laughs> and then you die. And then you die. <laughs> and you only had one glass of wine. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to ask, and I don't know if I can um, phrase this question without being confusing. Have you got to the age now that your parents were about when, the, when you had your first memories of them? Have you, have you advanced over the age of when you, know, you suddenly realised, God, my mum and dad was only this age? My parents had me and my brothers really late. Okay. So actually my mum was 36 when she had me. Yeah. Um, but they married very young. They got okay. married at uh, 18 and 19. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they lived. They got married and lived in New Zealand. So for me and my brother, who's only two years younger than me, you know, we have said, oh, my God, you know, when they were our age years ago, they were already married. Sure. Um, they got married in a different country from where they were born and then they'd moved back. And my dad got his first job at 16 and kind of worked his way up um, this company so it already had quite a strong managerial position yeah and you know I was I went to uni late and my brother um went to uni at the same time as me hmm. and although I moved out he still lives at home so we have had discussions and actually I think we don't really care what they were doing at our no. age because it seems so I don't know different but I think in their heads they've they've kind of been like oh you know you are you know, throughout our lives, but like, you're 22 now, you should be doing something so. with your life. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in your pyjamas. Exactly. Exactly. Do you, um, do you, have you ever resented them moving back to England before having you? Yeah. Would you have liked to be a New Zealander? I would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't know. So. I, I, I think in my head, I have thought this and then I've thought, but if they had me in New Zealand, I wouldn't necessarily be the same sperm and the same egg, so it wouldn't actually be me. 
That's way. love that that's, the, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like that's, up with that's where I went. And, sheep yeah. and all of these things. You're yeah. like, I'll be a different But spam. both of my brothers <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be a spam float. No. To be fair, I didn't have much <laughs> hopes for this question, but it's actually like. worked out quite well. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, um was the way I'm not gonna ask you about your sperm. unless it comes up. Not did you have a, a, a realisation? Have you yet had a realisation? I have. It's, this is, like, it's not the funnest story. Um, so a few years ago, I kind of reached, I think, what I would call peak how I viewed being a grown-up when I was younger. Yeah. And I was in a corporate job that I hated, and I was in a relationship that I wasn't very happy with. And my then-girlfriend asked me if I was going to break up with her, and I was like, um, I don't know, maybe. And she gave me some time to think about it, and in that time, I quit my job and bought, booked a one-way ticket to Canada. And I <laughs> basically went... That's quite a firm answer. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and I kind of just... Um, and then broke up with her, obviously, and then just fuck off. Um, but, uh, Otherwise, you've lost the audience quite dramatically. Yeah. Um, but I was like, that that kind of answered my question for me yeah. like, when I was um, thinking about it. And I kind of went off to Canada and I, I feel like grew up quite a lot and became what I view like properly a grown-up yeah. by becoming way less mature. Than I, well, like, in more emotionally mature, but in what I was doing and what I do now is so stupid and so silly, but I feel yeah. much more like I've figured out who I, I am, and I think that's a much more important thing about being a grown up. Yeah. Um, on the like talking about the parents though, um, at the around the same time when I was in Canada, I had the realization that my dad had had three kids in a divorce by this point, okay. um, <laughs> and I was like, holy hell. Um, and the the thing that upset me was that. Um, a friend of my dad posted some photos of him and my like him and his friends when they were about my age. And I look quite a lot like my dad. But what I have learned is I look like my dad now. I because think. my dad, when he was my age, was gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm there going, why do I look like a haggard old 60-year-old man? And I don't look like 30-something-year-old like 30 dad. Yeah. That's very unfair. <laughs> I, I don't particularly have a, a, a story about uh, me realising that I'm an adult, except to say that I appear to have been born at the age of 44. Um, <laughs> So my entire life has been a process of catching up with my own personality and my own um, psyche. But uh, you were just talking about uh, photos of your dad and reminded me uh, a couple of years back I did uh, Movember, the uh, charity thing where you know, people uh, grow a moustache for the month of November to raise uh, funds. And um, I, I don't normally wear a moustache. It's not, it's not a, a style that I carry well. Um, <laughs> And um, but this particular time I, I had a, a moustache and I happened across a, an old photograph of my dad who was a dad in the 70s. See, he did have a moustache and I noted with interest uh, that me with moustache looks nothing like my dad with moustache. <laughs> so I, I thought that me and my mum might have had a very long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> did it look like your mum with a moustache? Um, well, I, I didn't even think to check. Uh, I did you look like Pat Mustard? Pat Mustard? Yeah, that's Milkman from Father Ted. Oh, I see. Ah. A lot of exceptionally hairy babies. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep doing my great Irish accent. Yeah. Like I hear you're a racist now, Father. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, we should point out that we're uh, all being well. We're going to be here every month for the uh, Cast Iron Theatre podcast live. We've got a special edition for the Horror Fest coming up where we'll be speaking to, I don't know, horrible people. Um, and uh, we've also got um, Cast Iron Sister Company, Ironclad Improv, have a workshop here every Sunday in this room every Sunday. Coming up in the next couple of months, we have uh, a evening of short spooky tales, ugly tales for beautiful souls. And those stories are going to be written potentially by you. Uh, you can get in contact with us and write a short story that will be read in this very room, the Duke Box in Brighton, as part of the Brighton Horror Fest. And we also have our work in progress version of our world premiere of One Woman Alien, the uh, the film of Alien told in one hour by one woman. It's basically what it says on the tin. And uh, we should, we've mentioned it earlier in the night, but we should uh, uh, mention it again. Uh, Julie, the Fantasticals have got a show coming up at The Comedian. They do indeed, November the 11th. And uh, we, we've, got a, uh, we've also got something coming up from uh, Tim. Hello. Hello. Um, I am also going to be potentially doing at um, Horrorfest a spooky science thing for kids where we're going to be doing loads of, I think, slime and explosion-based mm-hmm. stuff. However, literally straight after this podcast, I'm going to go and discuss times and days. So it's not in the brochure. Have a look on the website. By the, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out we'll have figured it out <laughs> <laughs> I don't know there's going to be a hell of a lot of editing to do on this it might be okay <laughs> this has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast live recorded at the Sweet Duke Box Brighton with our guests Yvette May and Timothy Goose Kennington with music from Judy Bignall <laughs> This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron axe. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, all one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. There are dinosaurs, there are dinosaurs, life finds a way.